0: Welcome
1: to Books, where
0: two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson.
1: And I'm Livia Snedden. This week's review is the return by author Jason Mott. Jason Mott lives in southeastern North Carolina. He has a BFA in Fiction and an MFA in Poetry, both from the University of North Carolina at Wilmington. His Poetry and Fiction has appeared in various literary journals... That should be Have Appeared, right? yeah. Okay, sorry, I just thought thought it was just me. He was nominated for a 2009 Pushcart Prize Award, and Entertainment Weekly listed him as one of their 10 new Hollywood Next Wave people to watch. This is the worst, hardest-to-read bio I've (laughs) ever had to read. He is the author of two poetry collections, We Call This Thing Between Us Love and, in quotes, Hide Behind Me. The Returned is his first novel. The Returned has also been optioned by Brad Pitt's production company, Plan B, in association with Brillstein Entertainment and ABC. It will air in March 2014 on the ABC network under the title Resurrection. Remind me to talk a lot about that last paragraph after yeah. we're done talking about this book. <laughs> southeastern North Carolina, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess every state has a southeastern area, right? Oh well, Yeah. Just, Maybe uh, not that's Hawaii. a mouthful. Hawaii doesn't have a southeastern area. Um... Because right. they're Hawaiian, they don't even have directions. They don't. <laughs> all their directions are water. Yeah, and you know I could safely yeah. say that because we can actually look at a map from where we get downloads. And you want to know where we <laughs> get zero downloads from? Hawaii, Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. There's two directions here and water. I think <laughs> there you go.
0: All right, here's a little bit <laughs> before we just start rambling. Um, here's here's the synopsis of the book we pulled from. I'm assuming Amazon. Yes. Harold and Lucille Hargrave's lives have been both joyful and sorrowful in the decades since their only son Jacob died tragically at his eighth birthday party in 1966. In their old age, they've settled comfortably into life without him, their wounds healed through the grace of time, until one day Jacob mysteriously appears on their doorstep, flesh and blood, their sweet, precocious child still eight years old. All over the world, people's loved ones are returning from beyond. No one knows how or why this is happening, whether it's a miracle or a sign of the end. Not even Harold and Lucille can agree on whether their boy is real or a wondrous imitation. But one thing they know for sure, he's their son. As chaos erupts around the globe, the newly reunited Hargraves find themselves at the center of a community on the brink of collapse. Forced to navigate a mysterious new reality and a conflict that threatens to unravel the very meaning of what it is to be human. With spare, elegant prose and searing emotional depth, Jason Mott explores timeless questions of faith and morality, love and responsibility. A spellbinding and stunning debut, The Returned is an unforgettable story that marks the arrival of an important new voice in contemporary fiction.
1: That was quite the mouthful.
0: And that noise marks the arrival of a bus outside
1: my building. (laughs) All right, so the returned. Um, it, kind of an interesting start to this book, because you would think that there would be like a ton of setup to set you up in this brave new world where people return from the dead. Um, we kind of jump in after the, the the thing has happened. So the Hargraves, uh, if memory serves correctly, are actually watching something on TV about it. You know, shortly before their son reappears. So we're kind of immersed right into this world where um, some of your loved ones, not all of them. Um, some of them just come back and they come back with no recollection of, of any of the time in between at least not that they're sharing with us um you know it's it's just the next day for them from whenever they died in the case of jacob it's been um 50-ish years yeah yeah 55 years i think they said <laughs> what what is transpiring at, at the, the the other booked studio right now book studio is apparently uh, under siege
0: for some young hooligans outside the the building. I'm not sure exactly what's going on. Sometimes it gets a little rowdy at night, so this is what I deal with. Are the dead <laughs> coming back? Is that what's going on? They're, it's the returned. They're outside. They want to hear what we thought about the book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the obvious there's obviously a split kind of reaction to the fact that these people are back. There's some people who think it's a miracle and a blessing and a wonderful kind of second opportunity to be with people that you lost and that you miss. And then there's the group of people that think it's an unnatural atrocity that they should be uh, taken care of, they're not to be trusted, they're here to ruin the world and stuff like that. So I want to say that's the driving conflict of the story, but like... Um, we'll get to kind of more of the stuff later but I mean it should be what I will say is that it's, it's set up to be the, the big conflict of the book is that these people coming back has kind of divided the world on how they feel about these people these returned
1: now let's clarify that these people are not um, they're zombie like, they're not anything they're, they're fully intelligent they, they have memories of their I don't know if you call it their previous life or whatever they're the people they were when they when they left so this is not um a horror book in really any way shape or form uh, even though it has that 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 trope of horror with dead coming back to life you know um they're not vampires they're not zombies as we've come to you know commonly know them they're just people yep yeah and um
0: I don't know, beyond that, <laughs> it seems like there's not a
1: ton we can say, unless we like dig into the individual characters. Um. Yeah, I mean, we, we can. I mean, I think there's some things that we can say, because a huge portion of this book from not very far from the outset, uh, not very far from the beginning, you know, takes us into the story of the government has, for various reasons, chosen to round all these people up, and then we have the, you know, a concentration camp story, basically, mm-hmm. you know, where we're everybody's grouped together, and, and, you know... Now, is it an internment camp or a concentration camp? Um, I, I, I I imagine there's probably a difference, right?
0: <laughs> well, the concentration camps, I think, was where people went to get murdered, and, like, the internment camps... We, we had this... I just jokingly brought it up because of the urine review episode where... I know. Yeah. Um, internment camps were just, like... The Japanese-Americans were put in these camps to keep them separate because we were fighting japan and uh, i don't know it was not a you're going here to die thing it was a you're going here to be separated from people because we don't know if we can trust you i think
1: uh it's probably a little more like the second
0: <laughs> well and i think the
1: initial intention was it was more like the second yeah yeah the uh, it basically works out that that that's you know we follow Jacob Hargrave and, and his father who's an elderly man now through through this um, and you know with side scenes of the mother and how she's dealing with with her husband and you know her long lost son that she finally got back for a matter of you know whatever was weeks before the government came in and took him again.
0: Yeah, it's um, I think the book kind of kicks off yeah toward the uh, early early stages of. People are understanding this phenomenon is happening, but the government hasn't really gone too far as far as, like, organizing around what to do about it. And, um, the... yeah. The Hargrave story kind of kicks in with Jacob around the time that the the bureau that the government sets up kind of just begins to pick up some serious momentum. And... Right, so not long after um, Jacob comes back is when they start to, the, the president makes a declaration that um, returned people need to stay in their homes, and then not long after that there's there's kind of, not, um, not arrests, it's more of like uh, just like being detained against their will, and they start just detaining all of these returned people, and depending on where you are around the world, You know, some governments feel one way, some feel a different way, and, like, some are violent and some are more kind of understanding and stuff. So we get a little...
1: (laughs) They were particularly violent.
0: Uh, I wasn't going to say anything about the Romanians, but you brought it up. So the Romanians were kind of the extreme example of, like, persecution toward these returned people. Here's the thing, too, like, and it might be going off on a tangent, but, like, it was... For, without explaining exactly why or how you could tell just at by looking at someone whether they were returned or not. Yeah and they didn't yeah they never really covered that at all. There was no explanation about that so um, I mean conveniently they could just tell who was re- who was returned so it wasn't like there was like people hiding out or like it was just oh I looked at you and you are returned and now I can persecute you which was hey, that's good for the Romanians it makes it a lot easier for them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> it's like when Romanians are mentioned. And you ever notice it's never in a positive light? <laughs> uh, uh,
0: Olympics, man. Like the gymnastics and stuff. Or is that is that era Dude, past? that's like 1974, I think, was yeah. the last right. well, time. I'm that was a to, good thing. So. Yeah. Trying to give you something.
1: I don't know that there's really a whole lot to talk about about characters. Um, the only other really key character is an FBI agent whose name escapes me. Now.
0: Agent Bellamy agent bellamy
1: bill bellamy right no i think that's a comedian yeah it's uh, martin bellamy (laughs) um and he's the you know kind of like fbi type that he's the he's the one who brings jacob home at first and then you know gets involved with this camp that happens to get set up right inside their town so he's uh harold hargrave's um kind of friend on the inside throughout the course of it and of course there's the guy who runs the camp and One thing that I did like, and to be really honest, probably the most interesting thing in the book to me was some of the little side stories. So every couple of chapters, Mm. you get this other chapter that was told through the eyes of um, mostly another return person. I mean, that that did stray a couple of times, but... It was like the Japanese soldier that turns up on American soil and is trying to, like, surrender. This, I think, is one of the first ones, which I just thought was great. He, like, runs into this store and tries to surrender, and these guys start throwing cans at him and stuff. Yeah, he's like, take me to your internment camp. <laughs> yeah, so some of that stuff was really, really good, and, and some of those stories um, had some some merit to them, and I'd like to have seen expanded on. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, in my opinion, those stories were much better than the main one that we were following throughout
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, And the bulk of the story takes place in the, the Hargraves' hometown uh, The name of which escapes me um, So we do get glimpses in the outside world But um, essentially this town starts out as just where they live um, The government sets up kind of like a, a makeshift holding area in, a, in the school, the town's school um, and then as as more and more return to get trucked in, they kind of take over, very slowly take over the entire town. And it's alluded to very briefly that, you know, there's kind of a, a bigger plan that government has for when they take over this town. But, um, yeah, the idea is the majority of what we see takes place right in this town. And uh, and it's it's kind of weird because it kind of feels like it's the central point in the world but it's obvious that different things are happening in different parts of the world so it's a little bit confusing in the book to me but yeah this is this is where we see most of the story and then we just get little peeks through news broadcasts and stuff that some people are seeing about kind of what happens Mm -hmm. at the world at large
1: yeah that's it that's all there is book wise story wise (laughs)
0: yeah so now we can talk about like the themes and stuff i think a
1: little bit yeah so and our complaints people people were were very split as rob had mentioned um both within the country this country you know and, and they they the jason mott makes numerous references to two different groups one that's in support of you know equal rights for the returned and one that's Vehemently opposed, uh, of course, to to you know these dead people coming back to life. So wh- I don't know how how would people react. What do you think? Do you think that that was an accurate portrayal of how people would? I maybe, but my my problem is like I think that people would
0: be way more freaked out, and and way react to, like much more. Um like, it it, we, it seemed like it was just kind of like oh this is business as usual now there's all these dead people who are showing up out of nowhere and I think it would be a much more like freaky event than like what was depicted in the book but again I, obviously that's not what he was going for so if I saw a dead family member my first thought would be kill it you know like <laughs> <I'm gonna> re- <laughs> be- because it's not natural you know like it's not it, it goes against everything we we understand so I mean even if this is a friendly face it's never it's never something that's really I mean, not often i guess depicted in like a positive way like oh hey great this dead person's back so I can like hug them and hang out with them again
1: mm-hmm. I think that um he handled some of that pretty well in so um the mother Hargrave mm-hmm. mother Hargrave Lucille yeah Lucille I think that you know the great thing that happened is she had referred to referred to them as um, devils mm-hmm. prior to her son returning, and then was all in support of them once her son had returned, which I think is probably a very, I would think, is a fairly accurate portrayal of how that would go down. And really, the the main antagonist in the book is is a, a neighbor and, and longtime friend of the Hargraves who. Mm-hmm. You know, causes some some trouble and is protesting the the return being set up in his town and the fact that we're allowing them to continue living. And his take and, and correct me if you know if I if I read this the wrong way, but it was almost like he was just bitter that his loved one didn't come back, that his wife that he had lost many years ago was not among the returned, yeah. and that almost seemed to spark the 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 hatred in him for the returned. Which, which, again, I could see happening, um, you know, on a on you know on a one to one basis, not you know half of people being really angry that their loved ones haven't returned. But I thought both of those outlooks were were portrayed really well in the book. I think on an individual basis, I think
0: yeah, um, the reactions were done in a very realistic manner. But I just think that overall, it would have been a much more extreme situation. There would have been a lot more Romania than actually happened in the book. Yeah. Um, I, I think you're right (laughs) now kind of talking about this a little bit. Um, the obvious themes that arise because of this or the thoughts that you're supposed to have are what would you do or how would you feel if a loved one that you had came back? Well, you know, if you almost kind of had a second shot at, you know, spending time with someone who you lost and, uh, so, I mean, really, that was the focus of the book, and maybe that's why it was the focus of this little town, which um, he goes through great pains throughout the book to to express just how um, absent of violence the town typically was. Um, so I think that's it was obviously his focus and, and the reason that he wanted to write this story, which, great, I mean, great, because that's what he wanted the book to be. My thought is... What happens when it's someone that comes back that you don't want to see?
1: You know, I thought about that. And I think that um, in some ways... uh, And to kind of tie into this, there there are three other stories that you can download for free for your Kindle that take place in the same world. And I wouldn't be surprised to see other avenues explored because what we have here is a... uh, a fairly unique world in which you could tell... A million stories. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of the ones that was really great. And again, it was a little side story. It was about the artist, the sculptor. Yeah. So there's a sculptor a you know, hundred years ago. I don't remember specifically. He was French, I think. You know, died penniless and broke. But after his death, like many other artists from hundreds of years ago, he became very, very famous. And there's a woman who was his kind of like biographer, and, and you know, someone who he obviously didn't know. You know, when he died. He like shacks up with her, falls in love with her, but here's a famous now a guy who's now famous coming back so you have that story that you could tell.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You could have the story that you just said. So what happens when the guy that comes back is a guy you absolutely hate? Yep. you know so so there's definitely a world and I wouldn't be surprised to see some of those things explored in the short stories that tie into this or in potential sequels. And it is an interesting world because it does pose a lot of questions. I think there's a lot of times we read books and we don't even talk about the, the, the real-life potential of what just happened in this book. Uh, so, again, interesting talking points, and I, I, I get the feeling we're going to talk <laughs> more <laughs> about the what-ifs of the world than, than we would the, the book itself. Right. Um, you know, the government reaction, I have a note here to talk about it. Um, you know, it, I, I thought maybe it was fairly spot-on that at first they'd try to do the right thing, and then when the problem became more overwhelming and became dangerous both for the returned and the true living. Is that what he called them? True Mm -hmm. living. True living. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that there might be some segregation involved, but the government was too horribly disorganized uh, in this for me to, to, to believe some of it.
0: Yeah. It did seem very, I'm not going to say this is the case, but it was almost written as if the person writing it just didn't know how to make the government the way he wanted them to be. Um, that's a little bit of an accusation, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah, so there's, there's that, and then I, I keep drawing, my mind keeps drawing back to the whole, it boils down to when you have, like, a group like this, that's an extraordinary situation, it's, it comes down to a class situation that's like, it. it's a commentary on oppression at, at some point, like, that what, what happened with the book Amped, which we both hated, was like, mm-hmm. These modified people at one point, you know, became like not enemies of the state, but they just became second class citizens and they had no rights. And this is kind of essentially what happened in this. And sadly, I think too much of the book focused on the mechanics of the oppression of these people instead of the potential that the different stories he could have told really had. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of class. You know, and oppression uh, themes throughout the book. Um, The whole Fred, the neighbor who was the protest guy, his story was potentially awesome because he lost someone who didn't come back. That could have been the focal point of the story. And instead, he's just kind of this whiny guy who, you know, gets all pissed off and and throws throws rocks at buses as they go to the prison and stuff. It was, I don't know, like. There was a lot of potential, I think, that was wasted building the government side and the, you know, uh, this whole theme of oppression.
1: In this camp, and and exactly, they spent so much time focused on Harold and Jacob. If they they had cots and they were set up in one of the original rooms, because this camp gets out of control and they have to expand it, and that's like part of the town, but there's like all this storyline about oh one of them always has to watch their cot because if they walk away from their cot someone else will just take it. Yep. You know, I just kept thinking like no I think that you would just be assigned a cot and there wouldn't be infighting <laughs> like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like like this is Rob's cot and Rob can go and do things on the outside and come back and if someone else camped out in his cot he gets a soldier and the soldier reminds someone that they don't have that cot. Yeah, you, know, you know what I mean? Yep. It just seemed I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But, yeah, again, there are so many different stories that kind of going to go on. So the next thing that I've, that I've got here is, did you notice that it took in a goddamn two-thirds of the way in the book for somebody to even mention, like, are these people still in their graves? Did someone check? <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was like, all right, so my dead relative or whatever shows up on my doorstep. The first thing I'm going to do
1: is be like, I want to see if their body is still in their grave. Yeah, and so like, they mention... Kind of make mention of it two thirds, and it's not until probably the last 10% of the book that they actually address and make a statement. Yep. About it, which I thought was really weird. And, and in a situation like this, that would be like the first thing that would come up because the question is, are these even our people? Right. So, yeah. You and know, it's like, well, a one half way to a find sentence. out. Yeah. 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 Is, is, is the body still there? Are these, you know, aliens <laughs> impersonating people? Like, what, you know, but no nothing nothing at all yeah no hardly one... a mention until I like, said two-thirds away in the book and then it's mentioned in passing and there's no actual answer to it until the very very end
0: yeah no no one in the no one in the book has ever watched a sci-fi movie or read a sci-fi
1: story or anything like that yeah so needless to say the book has some issues some issues yeah I mean there are some good things right yeah there, there's
0: good things and there's a lot of potential. I just think that the focus in a lot of situations
1: was put on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And sure. it's funny how in some books, um, in some books, and you know, we keep going back to the Raw Shark text and Unspace. How you know? Sure, there wasn't enough Unspace in the Raw Shark text, but the potential for Unspace just those was, was one of the things that made that book great. Mm-hmm. This had lots of potential and it felt wasted. Right. Do you understand the difference? Like, same potential. There's great stories you could tell about Unspace. There's great stories you could tell about The Returned. But in one book, you felt rewarded for getting that glimpse. And in this one, I almost feel penalized as a reader for not getting.
0: Right. Like, yeah, yeah. they took away the real story. Or they didn't. Mm -hmm. They chose not to tell me the real story. Yeah, I fully agree. Raw Shark Text is like... It's a great book, and those little extra things like unspace and the character Mycroft Ward were just things that, like, um, were just like a really rich detail that you know could have easily been expanded on, but just served their purpose as part of the book.
1: Yeah. You know, and that's not to say, and and uh, this might go into spoiler territory a little bit, but I was reading some of the reviews (laughs) and some. Some people in the, the one-star review area are like, they never even explained what happened. I was kind of hoping that there would be an explanation because that could be a great explanation. But it's it, I'm not even saying that we didn't get that. That's okay that we didn't get that because if something like The Return happened, there's a good chance we'd never figure out why. There's lots of things we're never able to figure out. And it wasn't that, you know, I want it all laid out for me. It could still be a great story. But there are other stories that were better. Mm-hmm. If
0: uh, James Patterson had written this, the explanation would have been that we use too many cell phones and yeah, that's, deodorant that's or something. I can't remember exactly. Oh, okay, <laughs> so here's book. the
1: other thing that I don't think came up in the book, and this goes back to uh, the book whose name escapes me <laughs> by Dan Brown that we read. What was it called? Inferno. Inferno overpopulation. Like, the world is yeah. pretty close to overpopulated now, and if somebody would have dressed that as a fear, I, I could have bought into the hysteria a little more. Like, if we're that close to being overrun with people that are alive, when do the dead stop coming back, and how long before the dead is the reason we're overrun?
0: Yeah, and then he even gave a glimpse at that terrifying potential or possibility, but he just wasted that, too, when he was to when I think it was Agent Bellamy was telling um, Harold about the cargo ships, or it was it was somebody. You remember that?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. The cargo ships. Yeah. I think it was he was talking to that um, that sold the young soldier. Yeah, and, and he how had, they were putting bodies. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. It was the other kid.
0: Yeah. Um, and and there was he he said yeah they just have cargo ships full of these returned out at sea and it's like yeah I mean that's that really gives you an idea of the scope of, of the potential problem. But that's literally the only time it came up, and it was not expanded on at all. Like Harold didn't ask any questions. He's just like, "Oh right, cargo ships." And you thought about it for a second and was scared, and then life moved on. And it was just like it was a it was a waste of, you know, I mean that could be. I mean that's if you think about it, just like you said, over overpopulation. And then like what happens? Like the returns start killing, or you know, we start dying off from overpopulation. But do we then just come back because the dead are coming? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean there's a good Potential for things to be explored
1: that just got really just left hanging, and that's that's the argument that I think would sway me. Obviously, it, it's like anything else. You know, I used to have this argument years ago when I was going to school. It's the death penalty. You know, you can be a full supporter for the death penalty, but when it's your son or your mom or your brother or your best friend facing it, mm-hmm. you become a not supporter. Yeah. So, well, but I'm saying is the argument to sway me if I didn't have a loved one that was in my home with me that had been returned is that, hey, listen, at the rate that they're returning in six months or in a year or in two years, there won't be enough food or there won't be enough room or there won't be enough air to breathe to sway me to like, yeah, let's start let's start gutting them one by one. <laughs> and it was just never brought up. And the true
0: Romanian comes out of you.
1: Well, but, I mean, think about that argument and how many people that would sway. It would sway anybody that doesn't have a returned you know, loved one. Yeah, because that's a real legitimate. That's not an issue of are they from? Is this a miracle or is this? A, you know, uh, is it aliens or whatever? It's that those of us who haven't lived a full life, regardless of when that person died, you know, are going to perish because we're allowing people to return.
0: Yeah.
1: So. Anyway, I don't have anything else really to say about the book. I think we've. I've, I've personally said enough. I do have quotes though. Ah, quotes eh? I believe I've got a quote or two. I'm just going to pull them up here. All right, so the story came up a little bit short, as you may have <laughs> noticed from the last however long we've been talking about it. But um, I will say that um, there were some things I really liked in this book. So I mentioned already, and these aren't necessarily going to be quotes or whatever, but you know, I mentioned the, the side stories a little every you know however many chapters. Uh, that was great. Some of the side stories um, should have been expanded on, in my opinion, and, and might have been better than Jacob's story. Um, but some of the writing i really liked so uh here's just a, a quick burst um to kind of explain harold only stood in the doorway blinking like a hazard light looking down at the boy yeah nice but like i thought that was a pretty you know pretty good way to, to get like right away you can see that in your head you know exactly what what he's doing so um, another thought i had and i don't know maybe maybe you can help me with this that night, Lucille dreamed of her teeth falling out, something her mother had told her long ago was an omen of death. You know what? My mom told me that. So I thought that was just a Romanian thing. Hmm.
0: I, I hadn't heard of it before, but it made me think about times that I would had a dream once or twice about losing teeth. I never died, though. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, no, I don't, I don't think you're the one that dies if you have the green. <laughs> oh. I'm not not really sure. this, that is, then. this is very scientific. So.
0: <laughs> All um, right. You
1: got one you want to share? Yeah. Oh, hold on.
0: All right. So since Livius did the uh, blinking like a hazard light one, which is one of my quotes, I'm going to go on to my second quote. Agent Bellamy was the worst kind of government man, an honest one. A government should never tell people that it doesn't know any more than anyone else. The government didn't have the answers, then who
1: the hell did? the internet, man. The fucking internet knows everything. (laughs) Yeah. Um, This is from 2% in the book, so if it seems really, really spoilery, it's not. Jacob made his way over the south side of the yard, down past the pines, through the forest, and on down to the river, where without permission or apology, he drowned. I like that. Yeah. See, and here's the weird thing. I have lots and lots of highlights from the first 15%. (laughs) Yeah, but not not as much through through the rest of it. I have a really quick one. Mm
0: -hmm. In an age of information, never trust a person who can't be found on Google.
1: Nice. Kind of ties in with our previous review. Yeah, I'm kidding. All right, here's another short one. Of course, even for people returning from the dead, there was paperwork. (laughs) I like that. Um, and that's it. I mean, there's these little, little passages that that are just really eloquent. Here's here's another one. Um, I don't think we really need uh, any uh, any setup for this. Looking for Jacob every few seconds, as if he were a candle in a house of drafts. Nice. Because I'm kind of worried about you know this right after he'd returned that maybe he'd just disappear again.
0: I have one that um, I needed to look up the context for. I had to, like a list of notes and I had to look up the reason that I wanted to talk about it. Um, it was, uh, he's describing one of the people who is now returned, who him and his family were brutally murdered. And um, uh, it was, I think it's Lucille, uh, reflecting on the type of man he was when he was still alive. And he was just a very productive, you know, always working, hardworking guy, always working on projects and, you know, building things and all that kind of stuff. And um, like, and that was kind of his contribution to life and to society and stuff. And, and he was described as always furthering the slow crawl of humanity's progress against the perpetual hunger of entropy, which I thought was very nice. A little bit wordy, but I liked it.
1: The use of entropy always gets me speaking of um, wording, I, I did note that a couple of times there were some words that were a little big for me at least. <laughs> so, uh, The word vouchsafing uh-huh. um, I, I looked up when I read it because I had no idea what it was. And then a, a, a salap do you know what a solop is? Um, no, I've, I've, I'm, I'm sure I've heard the word I just don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, it just it seemed a little wordier than it needed to be in places, um, and not you know terribly distractingly so. I mean, I guess it seems that way if I'm bringing it up, but I don't know. Any I get a book and you know I go, okay, there's one or two words I had to look up, and it's not a period piece or whatever, I start thinking that the the, the writer is trying too hard. It's the yeah
0: the
1: I had to learn these words to get my degree, and now I'm going to inflict them on people yeah pretty much who else did that there was someone we had really was it Anne Rice that did that that we had real issue with
0: um J.K. Rowling I know for sure oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and I don't think it was Anne Rice couldn't stop talking about fucking iPhones long enough to use a big word <laughs> um uh there was another author though um a female author that we read recently Shining Girls oh, Lauren yes. Mm-hmm. she had some big words too yeah Everybody's, uh, what's the word, obstreperous is all all over the place. Can't escape it. Can I do one more thing that's not a quote, but it was uh, from the author note? Sure. All right. Mm -hmm. This is the author note. He's explaining why he wrote the book and how it came about and everything and his thoughts about it. And um, this is just a, a, a thought. My hope is that the reader can enter this world and find the unsaid words and unreconciled emotions of their own lives played out within these pages. Perhaps even find their own debts forgiven. Burdens finally left behind. So, I mean, it's all about closure, apparently.
1: Yeah, I had a couple other quotes, but I think that's probably a pretty good segue into some other things. Yeah. I don't know. Should we go ahead and rate this book? You know what? Let's have this conversation first, because I'm not sure how much of it ha- has a, a, a part in my rating. So, and this is, I actually invite um, our writer listeners to participate in this conversation, obviously not on this podcast, um, but maybe on our Facebook page in the comment section. So, I, a few weeks ago, uh, a couple months ago, I started watching on, as maybe it was on Hulu or something, a French TV program called uh, Les Revenants. Um, which is billed as The Returned here in the United States. And that's one of the reasons I mentioned on the last podcast that I came across this book, and I go, oh, this is interesting. And I read the, the synopsis, and I go, oh, man, this sounds a lot like that, that TV show. So apparently there's a, a book adaptation of that TV show. Well, the TV show wasn't necessarily original on its own. It's based on a 2004 French movie called They Come Back, or whatever the French words for They Come Back are. So as I'm reading this, when I first you know opened it up, <clears throat> actually right in the first paragraph they talk about the first the first person that came back and I was thinking, oh I wonder if this is one of the characters from the TV show, you know, I'm trying to remember their names and, and I kind of put that behind me and I go, okay this is kind of like a rewrite of, of that then we got to the author's note which is why I thought it was a good way to segue into this pretty much makes it seem like he's claiming this idea as his own original idea, is that right? yeah, absolutely So let me tell you a little bit about the the couple of episodes I watched of The Returned. Uh, Obviously it took place in France. This is where where it was filmed. Um, The the character that they introduce first in in the story is a girl. And she was on a school field trip and they were driving through a mountain and the bus goes off the side. And, And what we see at the very beginning of this show is this girl just walking down the mountain road back towards home. And she gets home and she walks in and she's making a a sandwich for herself and mom hears something yells downstairs doesn't hear anything back comes downstairs and just freaks out because it's her daughter who's been dead for four or five years or whatever it was at the time and then they introduce us to another character who comes back from the dead so they have no memory of where they've been Um, they don't know that they were dead they come back to the real world as if it's you know the girl thinks she's coming home from school that day you know just no memory whatsoever and they're just people going back to their lives. So nothing different from this book. There was no government involvement, at least after episode two or three, when I ceased watching the show. <laughs> um, so so I thought this was based on that. And I get to the author's note, and it's, you know, in there he talks about he had this dream that he was talking to his mother and she's been dead. And he thought, oh, what would it be like if you got another chance to spend time with those people? And he kind of developed this story it rubbed me the wrong way a little bit that there was no nod to a, a movie that predated this a TV show that predated it and yes I understand it's another country but this is you know 2013 we, we actually have the ability to see things and find <laughs> things from other countries as a matter of fact that TV show The Return is uh, I don't remember which network but one of the networks here was going to be showing it. it it may have been like the Independent Film Channel or, or something but it's coming up very shortly Uh So I guess the question is, you know, A, is it possible that he came up with this concept completely oblivious to the fact that it had already been done by somebody? And at what point should that count against you? So in his defense, I will say that somebody wrote the first zombie book. I don't know what it was, but somebody wrote it first. Or maybe Romero's the first one that did zombies in that way that we know zombies. The Walking Dead, George Romero zombies and then hundreds if not thousands of people have written their stories in that same world like when does it become a ripoff so if 10 years from now we're reading plenty of books about the return being people who just come back from the dead you know do we just accept that as a genre well is jason mott guilty <laughs> of stealing someone else's ideas it possible he just had it on his own i guess at no point did someone at harlequin they're kind of big right I think so? Um, you know, get any information so that at least they can acknowledge that. Yeah, you know, we, we, you know, we accepted this. We didn't know it was a TV show, or you know what? There's a TV show. It's not an original idea. It just, it just, I don't know for what reason it rubbed me so wrong that there was no mention of. Because I really, when I first came across this, assumed this was a tie-in with the production company that was that had made that TV show. Mm-hmm. You know, someone whoever was bringing it here, there was going to be an American remake or something here's what it is. And, and
0: I think this story is going to just kind of just... This is how I feel about it. And so I, I forgive, but I also don't. You remember back in the day when I was all excited because I was re- going to write a story about Pinocchio fighting vampires. And I was all <laughs> yes. excited and I told you this. And I'm like, oh, this is the coolest idea. Mm-hmm. And I, I laid it out for you. And you listened and you were so patient and you were like, yeah, kind of like that graphic novel.
1: Yeah.
0: And my my heart was broken so i mean it it is definitely possible to have the same idea exclusive of other people or maybe even like um you know you you saw it and it didn't occur to you that you know it didn't register like consciously it was like a subconscious thing Mm -hmm. however i think Unless he was just completely ignorant to the fact that these other things existed, which I have to imagine is a very very small possibility You have to acknowledge it somehow like he has to say You know what? It's it's great that there's all these similar stories, but this is this is how mine came about I think that's a much better way than just like Going on as if like this is the only instance of this type of story Even using the same name which is like I mean that's kind of big right? mm-hmm so yeah I mean it's possible that the same story was conceived you know simultaneously by different people under different circumstances but there's a level of responsibility once you make the story if there are other ones do exist to not look like a douchebag by saying look hey someone else did the same thing
1: but this is why mine is unique or whatever you want to say about it yeah. I-, I specifically didn't do any research before I started reading the book so I'm gonna mm-hmm. read this guy's book and then when I saw there was a you know, lengthy author's note, it's several pages. I was like, "Oh, good, this is where he's gonna." Address this, and the yeah. more I read, the more disappointed I was. Yeah. Um, so just to give um, listeners an idea, uh, so there was a 2004 French film. There was a TV show, a French TV show from 2012 that you can find on the internet. That's coming to the US. I don't. I'm sorry, I don't remember what um, network it's coming to, but it's it's like a weird cable one. Um, there's a remake of the French show that's coming to the U.S. And, as mentioned in the uh, bio, uh, Brad Pitt, Plan B, uh, which I, is that named after the, the day after pill? Isn't that called Plan B? Yeah, that's the one that's that like you take when you don't want to have the baby. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, <laughs> is, uh, is making a TV show for ABC. So we'll be seeing at least three versions of a TV show. Um, one French, two American um, in the very near future. So, I don't know. Like I said, ten years from now we may not even be having this conversation. It might just be a return book like we have a zombie book or a vampire book or a werewolf book. Man, I hope not. <clears throat> well, we talked about all the other stories that that, that could come out of it. Yeah, that's true. Um, let's wrap this up and move on to other stuff. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Alright, I'll, I'll go first. Um... You know, it, it's, and, and this is why I said, I don't know how much of this affected my review. Hey, it's kind of a great world where you could tell lots of stories. Uh, it's not Jason Mott's world because I've seen it from somebody else. Um, some of the writing was really good. I, I will go on to say that um, the, the relationship between the Hargraves, between the husband and wife specifically, the dialogue was excellent. I think that that, um, that relationship for people who are in their, you know, 70s or whatever, um, I, I I thought he did it well. there was there was enough spite amongst them and enough love that, that it felt very realistic. Um, they did a great job with that. Um, just overall, there were so many other things he could have done with this, so many and he's not saying he was commissioned to write a book specifically about this you know because there's a you know TV series or whatever. So I think he just picked one of the less desirable directions to go in with the story. So I, I imagine it's doing very well on, on the, uh, as far as sales go, it's, you know, I don't know, on Amazon, I looked earlier, I think it was like number 20 on the bestseller list, so I wouldn't be surprised if more, they already had three short stories that came out prior to it, I wouldn't be surprised to see a sequel or even a series addressing other issues, um, but yeah, the, the first one just didn't, really didn't do it for me. I don't know how much of that is jaded. 'Cause that's the problem is you can't unjade yourself, right? Like if you just something rubs you the wrong way, you can't unrub it. Um I, I probably if I really try to distance myself from this, this icky feeling about the other TV show and, and all the other stuff going on around it, I probably would have given this like three and a half stars. But um yeah, when it's all said and done as I'm sitting here thinking about it, it's it's less than three, so I'll go two and a half.
0: Two and a half. Jade, wasn't it a movie with David Caruso? Yes, it was. All right. David Caruso reference. I think that's the first one in the entire history of the podcast. It's probably the last one. Probably la- <laughs> Unless I go, yeah, at some point. Anyway. Um, all right, so mine's going to be very brief um, because I think we already spent almost 40 minutes talking about this book. Um, it's, it's a book that's written to give people... It's, it's, it's a doorway to a fantasy of seeing and, and spending time with people who are gone from your life. It's as simple as that. So it's an escapism that is, I mean, it's very popular. Everybody can identify with having lost someone that they, well not everybody, but most people can identify with having lost someone that they wish they had more time with. It's, it's a very universal need and this is just, you know, playing into that need. I'm not saying that in a cynical way, like he's taking advantage of people, but that's 100% what's happening with this book. That being said, he had a couple of really good ideas that I thought could be very interesting, and could be, uh, you know, properly explored. Could be, you know, just very fertile ground for in- interesting writing. He chose to ignore those. He spent a lot of time talking about a 70-year-old dude and his 8-year-old son sitting in a prison fighting over cots and uh i mean it was just kind of a wasted experience um what had the potential to be a great story ended up just being a wonderfully mediocre you know play at escapism so i was very disappointed um i i don't like when someone takes an idea that is just so has so much potential and just wastes it on you know uh, something far inferior to that. So i was really disappointed by this book. And the more I talk about it, the more disappointed I become in it. So that's going to be about it for me. I'm going to go one and a half stars for this.
1: I want one more thing to say. And, and this is, this is going to be, this is the loved ones coming back and your mind changing because you have a loved one. While we were talking, while I was thinking about this, I uh, I was kind of reminded that I read something similar to this before. Um, I I don't know how to pronounce this name. John Lindquist. He's Mm -hmm. the author of Let Me In. Yeah. I read what I think was his second American release called Handling the Undead. Um, Can I just read you the synopsis for Handling the Undead? I would love for you to do that. Uh, Across Stockholm, the power grid has gone crazy and the morgan and cemeteries the recently deceased are waking up. One grandfather is alight with hope that his grandson will be returned but one husband is aghast at what his adored wife has become. Um, if you scroll down I'm going to scroll down and read from one of the reviews because this is uh, a little more descriptive uh, when strange conditions vanish everyone who has died within the last two months rises from the morgue funeral homes and even their coffins the reliving wander back to their old homes mute and seemingly unaware shocking their loved ones and of course the government quickly rounds them up and confines them until they can be sure what dangers the reliving might pose
0: hmm.
1: I have to now, imagine having I'm sorry that's okay that was gonna say here's that part where i really like lindquist <laughs> and of course i read that before i knew there was a movie so i'm okay with his book it, it wasn't that similar and that's why it didn't come immediately to mind but yeah that so yeah this has been written a couple times and lindquist
0: is a, excellent from what i've read of him a really good writer
1: really good mm-hmm. all right I'm glad you think that because I also just found out that he has a book coming out in October that I'd like for us to review. We may have to review that. Um,
0: final parting thought on this dead dead loved ones coming back. I just go back to the, like, all right, so I've only lost one person in my life. It was my father who was, like, never very present in my life. And so I just, I want to see that experience where it's, like, you know, like, eh. <laughs> what if someone had just such, like, a meh kind of, like, Oh. <laughs> Alright. I think it'd be wonderful. Just like oh you moving know, on with my life. Hey, you're back. All right. Uh, all right, I got this show I wanna watch, so can I talk to you later? I knew
1: I knew you were going to that a little earlier with your question. <laughs> About, you know, what if the person comes back and has no value? <laughs> just yeah. Totally useless in your life i'd also like to tell you i mentioned to the listeners that i actually went i was at awake right before we recorded this podcast and you'd think i'd have something more to say about <laughs> the undead from reading this book mm-hmm. and then having to to, to be at awake and it's not someone i was very close to It was someone who's a friend of my father's who I, I had known you know my whole life but yeah i haven't seen him in years and it's very very sad and this book had zero effect on my any of my thoughts at this
0: wake. <laughs> Uh, maybe we're just heartless. Maybe that's well. I know you're heartless. You have no soul. Mm-hmm. Am I? Am I following that? Am I? Am I heartless? Am I more heartless?
1: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe.
0: All right. Well, we'll leave that. We'll leave that up in the air. Gonna move on to
1: some other stuff. Yeah. Um. We have some other stuff. So, uh, a couple episodes ago, we called out Michael Wilson from <laughs> This Is Horror, and you know what? We got results, so there's a good chance by the time you're listening to this um, that you'll be able to uh, head over to the this is horror uh, site and listen to a podcast featuring me hmm. reviewing Nos Four A Two or Four R Two if you're uh, if you're in in uh, Great Britain as that <laughs> book was called so. Um, yeah, we called them out, and they have uh, ramped up production on the podcast, and they are getting all caught up. So hopefully sometime this weekend, um, maybe next Monday or Tuesday, if not, head over there. You're definitely going to want to hear that. And afterwards, what you're going to want to do is um, we talked about Roadkill um, a while ago on the podcast, which is a chapbook that this is horror produced. Um, it is now available on Kindle, which means you don't have to pay like seventy nine ninety nine dollars shipping or whatever the <laughs> hell it is from Europe to get it to the United States. But you can get that now on Kindle for only a very reasonable two ninety nine. That's two ninety nine American, not two ninety nine in British ounces or kilograms or whatever they. Because that's like eight dollars. Right. Two ninety nine gets you an excellent little novella called Roadkill. Go back. What episode, Rob? Any idea? Nothing. Episode number. It was a while ago. Episode a while ago, <laughs> and you can hear our uh, mini
0: review of it. Um, yeah, and since. Um, at least at the time that we're recording Livius' episode is not up yet they did recently do drop another episode though where Michael interviews the I apologize for not knowing his name I listened to it this morning and I was half awake Uh, the director of a movie which I believe is called um, The Seasoning House or something like that it's a horror movie um, about a uh, brothel in uh, Eastern Europe and uh it sounds, like, really cool. It's focused around, I, I believe, a, a deaf woman who is kind of the... She's not one of the it, prostitutes. She's one, She, like, cl- is the person that cleans up and, and, and stuff. And, um, you know, there's something that happens. And then, like, they just, it's like a total, like, revenge thriller kind of thing. From the interview and hearing the director talk about the movie, it sounds very interesting. So you should check out that episode and then possibly continue on to checking
1: out the, the movie. Did they like the movie? Because their movie recommendations are spot on. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I think
1: Michael saw it last year
0: at a thing. I, I'm assuming there's an annual thing in in the UK called Fright Fest, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he saw the movie there last year. But I think it was just recently released on television, and so that's why he was review or interviewing the guy um, there. But their interview or. Ugh, but their review of the Canadian movie, American Mary, was really good. And then I watched that movie. So I'm pretty happy with their uh, with their movie recommendations. If you're into, into horror, you should definitely check them out. That movie was pretty badass. It was awesome. And it's on Netflix now. American Mary is awesome. That chick was really hot, too. She was incredibly
1: hot. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't hurt the movie any. <laughs> All right, what's next?
0: All right. So we've been talking recently with um, J. David Osborne uh, about uh, Broken River Books, and he had that Kickstarter going and wanted to raise $5,000 for the ins and outs of running a a publishing company and the very ambitious goal of launching five titles simultaneously. Very good news is that with 10 days left, they met their goal of $5,000. The even better news is they still have... Insert fanfare here. (laughs) He says that because I won't actually do it. Um, the even better news is that there's still 10 days to contribute if you have not yet. So all the offers are still good. You know, pre-order basically the books. Uh, pay more and get signed books and stuff like that. And just all that extra money is going to make the publishing company better and probably give more options to the readers. So definitely just because they hit their goal doesn't mean you shouldn't uh, get over there and contribute
1: if you have not done that yet. Of course, assuming you already have a copy of the booked anthology. Oh, yeah, buy that first, obviously. Right. Yeah. Rob's doing this all crazy out of order. Um, October is almost upon us, and the booked anthology is the Lit Reactor Book Club of the Month book selection. Um, so head over to Lit Reactor. You can um, get a discount code. We can give the discount code out here, right? Yeah, Let just do, do it. it. Okay. All right. You can get our ebook using the discount code LR50 that stands for left right 50 and uh that's gonna get you 50 percent off at bookpodcast.com upper right hand corner there's a booked store and uh, you can enter that in right lr left right is that where will it... reactor oh man how did i not see that capital l capital r five zero Oh, yeah, and it has to be capitals, yes, please. Yeah. So that'll get you half off of, uh, of uh, the $8 that you would be giving to Amazon. Instead, you'll be giving $4 to Booked. You will get a, in your choice of either EPUB, Mobi, or
0: PDF. I, cr- I caved on the PDF. And the beautiful thing is it delivers immediately. You make that payment, boom, you get a download code in your email,
1: like, instantly. It's effortless. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and do that, and then go give J.D.O. some money afterwards. Sorry, J.D.O. Priorities.
0: <laughs> That's right. Well, I guess the... Wait, who goes first, J.D.O. or Roadkill? So it's us and then oh, Roadkill. yeah,
1: Roadkill. Well, I just assumed everyone would buy Roadkill. Yeah. We talked about it here. Hey, people to buy it. the
0: $4 you save on the Booked Anthology, two ninety-nine of that can go to buying Roadkill. Boom. There you go. It's like we planned this, even though we obviously didn't. We <laughs> have so no idea or we There's no
1: way we actually <clears throat> planned it, but it sounds like it. The second half of our show has turned into a big infomercial. <laughs> so. And I, if you order now, at yeah. any rate. So, yeah, do that. Go to Lit Reactor. Join the conversation. Um, it starts October 1, just a few short days from now. I, I don't like to ask things of our listeners,
0: but here's what I want you guys to do. Make the booked anthology like the biggest conversation on Lit Reactor book club book club. Like blow it out of the water. How cool would that be if there was just like a huge swell of people um, all gathering at Lit Reactor to talk about our book? I think that'd be very cool. So buy the book for a very cheap price. Make sure you you sign up over there and just like blow that conversation out of the water. That would be awesome. I think this is the first I time it's we big actually
1: enough we could we could demand it be changed to the booked like forum. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You never know. Yeah. Maybe they'll maybe it'll be such a big discussion that they that they, they push all the way through November. Could be.
1: Or it could start another podcast war. Another podcast war. That could happen too. Yeah. So. Alright. Um Rob, tell the people what we're uh, what we're gonna be reading for uh for the next episode. <sighs> we
0: I caved. It was gonna happen eventually. It almost mm-hmm. happened a year ago, but Stephen King, this is one of those things that it's like, it's so monumental to people this actually matters to, that there was no way we could avoid talking about this. So we are going to be reviewing Dr. Sleep, which is the follow-up to the sequel to the book The Shining, which is
1: 40 years old, 40-ish years old. Almost, yep. I would just like to say, this book has now been available for sale for 47 hours, I'm like sixty-three percent of the way through it. And it's like a six hundred page book. Yep. Five five fifty five, I think, is what the actual page count is. So uh be some stuff to talk about there.
0: Um in preparation for this I did audiobook The Shining. And um then I watched the movie, the Jack Nicholson Shining movie. And um I have some thoughts on that. I've shared here and there. <laughs> It's gonna be very interesting to see what I think about Doctor Sleep and then see where our conversation goes. I'm very much looking
1: forward to, to that episode.
0: How, so, uh, how did we not try and get a guest host? How, why, why didn't we think to do that?
1: <clears throat> um I don't know. you know part of the thing is is that and this is no no slight against anybody else, but I, I look at like I see people like when they start reading books and I see when their good reads review goes up or when they say they finished it. We're talking about trying to get this done and recorded in you know a week's time 550 page book that doesn't always allow for people to mm. you know what I mean like we have to push to get through books in a week not this one because this one I'll probably have done tomorrow but <laughs> you know there are times where you know, it's just a lot to ask. I did check in with uh, with a friend of the show who's reading it and uh, actually had a copy like last Thursday and he's only halfway through it so so you're saying we're better than everybody else I'm just saying. Well, we read on a deadline and I don't think most other people have to. Like you know, you've got a week to get through Doctor Sleep, you know. But you also be like, oh, "I could take a month. I could read another book while I'm reading Doctor Sleep." That just doesn't happen uh, unbooked. That's
0: right. Professionals. Consummate professionals over here.
1: No, cuz we have to get paid to be professionals. I actually looked Fuck. up the definition.
0: Consummate amateurs. This doesn't go.
1: sound good. I say what a low what a low way to end the podcast. <laughs> Fucking amateurs. Fucking amateurs. <laughs> that's right, it. So come yep, come back next week for Dr. Sleep. Uh, until then, I'm Livia Snedden.
0: And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading the booked anthology. You